I love this community. It frustrates me like it does, I know many other people, that we're not reaching our full potential. But you gotta get up winning every day or you never get to that. Like the 10 year time frame can't be an excuse for not acting on really hard uh, challenges or opportunities. But it is helpful to give ourselves that freedom to think over a decade because that really is how you can uh, drive those major inflection points. Greater St. Louis Inc. hopes to be a game changer in a fractured region that has frequently stumbled when it comes to growing the economy. Jason Hall, its new CEO, comes in with a lot of energy and a lot of ideas. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. And before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org donate. That's stlpr.org donate. This fall, five civic groups in St. Louis announced something new for this fractured region. They were merging. The new entity that replaces all of them and launches next month is called Greater St. Louis, Inc., and its new CEO joins us today to talk about it. So, Jason Hall, welcome to the show. Hey, Sarah. Great to talk. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you for carving out the time. I imagine you're super busy right now um, getting ready to launch this new entity. What do you have to do before these five entities become one? Well, we are, uh, you know, following the uh, unanimous votes of the boards of these organizations to move in this strategic direction. We are uh, knee-deep, as I say, in the legal mechanics that one has to do, take a aside economic development, but just when you merge five different organizations. So there's a lot of legal aspects, HR systems, accounting systems, all those kinds of things that really do need to be combined. It's not the um, front-facing part of the job, but it's got to be done and done well to build a solid foundation uh, for us to to really move forward, uh, I think, with a with a best-in-class organization, um, I'm playing the long game. Uh, so we've got to win over the long haul, and you just can't cut corners on those things. Hmm. So these short-term, logistical-type measures, this is necessary to get you to that long, long game that you're envisioning. That's that's exactly right. Um, you know, of course, there's still a lot of programmatic um, economic development work that's going on. We're still actively recruiting uh, new businesses. We're actively investing in real estate revitalization, promoting our narrative, driving forward our vision to be the, the global leader in the geospatial and location technology space. All of those things are still happening uh, while we are you know, engineering and putting together uh, the Greater St. Louis entity and building that new foundation. Hmm. Well, it seems remarkable that you've even got to this point. It seems like people are so much more likely in this town to start a new thing than to consolidate the old things. What did you have to do to get all of these egos onto the same page? <laughs> It's, it's definitely counter narrative for St. Louis, right? <laughs> for sure. to, uh, to, to be fragmented. But you know, I think this one, you know, it sort of played out naturally in the sense that there started to be more intentional collaboration across uh, these private sector-led economic development groups, and then in February, right before the pandemic was becoming more acute, we were all largely located on one floor in one building, which hmm. made collaboration even easier. 
and really a desire to have that become more permanent. Um, and certainly, I think, like a lot of things in society, COVID is accelerating certain trends. And I think as the pandemic became more acute, the necessity for us to work together even more closely, including things that we'd never done before, like working across uh, the, the business and civic community to stand up the St. Louis Pandemic Task Force and make that a reality as a service to this community, um, it just became more clear and I think really accelerated those those collaborations. And, you know, as we brought these ideas forward, um, and I really applaud, you know, my colleagues that, that I had the privilege of working with on this, you know, there was no here's the plan, run it through. Very transparent. You know, you start with executive committees, then you start talking to the boards because these are fiduciaries. And then, you know, having those conversations with members and being humble enough to listen and get better with each step. And, you know, it takes longer, but I think it's the civically healthy way we need to do things uh, in St. Louis. I'm tired of a decade of, you know, where, where there's sort of hatched plans and, you're not sure where they came from and where's the conversation occurring. I mean, you just got to do these things, I think, in a much more um, open way like that and, mm-hmm. and really listen to people. It's interesting. You talk about the pandemic task force as a good example of just how important this regional collaboration is. And, and that is a good example of, of people who seem to be working together really well. But, you know, just before we had you on, we were then hearing from State Senator Andrew Koenig. Um, he's now in Jefferson City trying to block the public health restrictions that St. Louis County is implementing. At the same time, Jefferson County has its own. I mean, this pandemic, if anything, has exposed just uh, what a train wreck all the fractured nature of our our region is. I mean, is there is there any sense that the business community coming together can fix some of these things in a way that it's very clear right now that our government entities cannot? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the, the business sector, the private sector, and the public sector have very different strengths. Uh, and I think the real magic happens when you can get the two aligned. But there is going to be and should be healthy tension at times between the two. That's part of making a society, building a community. People have very passionate views. What I do think, though, if we step back, you know, in all of the tension, confusion, often misinformation, you know, that, that has been uh, distributed, you know, when, when I think about, you know, at the national level, who do we trust? We'll go to Dr. Fauci. Mm-hmm. When you come to the metropolitan level in, in St. Louis, I think if you ask anyone, at the end of the day, they trust Dr. Garza to shoot straight with them, tell them the facts, and, and be very honest. And I just think the power of that, of working together across health systems, across jurisdictions, to try to drive that, uh, that clarity and that voice to help us get through this pandemic on science and fact-based information has been extraordinary. Hmm. And uh, that's why I think that is such a great example of what we can accomplish when we come together. Is part of the problem here, though, that there's nobody sort of running the, the show for the St. Louis region in the way that we have Dr. Garza running it for the pandemic? And is that what you're meant to do as the CEO of this new agency? <laughs> yeah, within the within the economic development space, right? There's there really has been, and I think this is where it's been difficult for the public to understand what 
what is the vision of where we are going economically as a region? What is that shared vision of how we get there so that we can create more and higher quality jobs and reduce barriers so that more St. Louisans have access to them? Growth is part of the answer. Um, it's not the only answer. There are many other things that, that matter to a healthy, livable community. But the growth message was increasingly getting fragmented over more groups, and it made it difficult for that that trust um, in an institution that is working across boundaries, jurisdictions, to help steward a long-term vision of where we can go. I think when I think back, you know, to my early years in this work, I had the privilege of um, being able to volunteer and be influenced by the late Dr. Bill Danforth, and I think he was one of the best in helping bring us together and create those shared visions and think about what he did to help catalyze the biotech movement, uh, which has helped create lots of jobs, attract new companies, and in some ways that helped jumpstart the movement 20 years ago to become the entrepreneurial and startup hub that we are today. Mm-hmm. And it is possible, but you, you know, they've just increasingly been fragmented over different leadership groups. Greater St. Louis Inc. represents the first step in a longer journey to bring that together modeled off best in class what those high growth regions around the country are doing and having that unified voice, a shared agenda and acting as one metropolitan region anchored by its urban core is the starting point for that. And this gets us back on that track. Hmm. I can see that that unity that does seem like that would be so appealing and, and having this one entity to try to move these things forward. At the same time, there's another issue here. Um, you'd previously been vice president of the St. Louis Regional Chamber. I saw a great interview you did with St. Louis Magazine. Um, and, and you told Jeanette Cooperman there that you'd become convinced the chamber needed, quote, a higher level of intensity. And that was one reason that you left. How do you go about changing that as a boss? The idea in St. Louis maybe that this is not the place that where the most intense people, the most driven people end up going and end up working, uh, you know, for these goals you're talking about. Yeah, no, I, you know, you got to lead by example. I, I firmly believe that. And so, you know, I plan to set that, uh, that tone of, um, how we compete as a region, how we come together as a region and the intensity that we need if we are going to grow and be a more equitable community. And jobs are one of the ways in which we do that. So, I think it leads by example. Uh, you will find me down here at this office seven days a week right now. Mm. And, you know, we, we do what it takes to get the job done. And those have been lessons I've learned in life. Um, I had to do that to become one of the first, uh, you know, my family to graduate from high school or earn a college degree. I, I like hard work. I thrive on hard work. And that's what it's going to take uh, to lead. And uh, that's how I intend to, to, to set the pace. Do you think your style is going to be a shock for some of these systems that have maybe not had that pacing? I, uh, I probably so. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, if you ask anyone, I, I am an intense individual. I like to have fun. Um, but at the end of the day, this is not driven by, you know, some personal agenda. It's just, I love this community. It frustrates me like it does, I know many other people, that we're not reaching our full potential. And I always said, you know, if I had a chance, um, I would I would lead by example, and I am all in. Um, I know that doesn't guarantee success. We've got to build a big team. The business community and the economic development community needs to go into and, and, and form genuine partnerships, I think, with 
uh, groups, organizations, and stakeholders that we haven't before. That's going to take a lot of work. Um, but I think we're up for it. I think we have no other choice because the reality is other regions have been better organized for that success. And if we want to win the long haul and ensure a St. Louis for the next generation, those are the sacrifices we're going to have to make now uh, in order to get there. You mentioned stakeholders that uh, the people you're working with haven't previously worked with before. What would be an example of that? Yeah, I think, you know, working with, I think of like, it, it, neighborhood level organizations, community hmm. organizations, you know, and I get the question, like I grew up in Granite City, Illinois, in the Metro East, you know, really having strong relationships uh, with the Metro East. It's a big part of this bi-state metropolitan region. And I think oftentimes um, people feel left out because they haven't been invited into the conversation. So I think it's across the board. I mean, the one thing I, 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 I do hear a lot is people this feel this sense of being left out and, and not engaged. And I think we've got to have an active form of leadership that gets out there, that listens, and starts to build tables around our community problems and opportunities economically uh, that better reflect this region. So, you know, as I said, growing up in the, the Metro East, I often felt like we were so irrelevant, people didn't even care where I went to high school, right? So <laughs> That's possibly that true. Um, we've got to get past that, and, and I think people are ready for it. Uh, I've been encouraged just, you know, the work we've done to date around things like the STL-made narrative, GeoFutures. It is possible to build those, those big, diverse tables, have those healthy tensions, but produce and bring people to a body of economic development work that is more meaningful and more inclusive. And I think we need to get better at that every day. Um, it neither starts nor stops now, um, but we got to have that intention if that's where we want to go. Hmm. And that's what I plan to do. What would you point to as a city that's managed to turn things around in the way that you're hoping St. Louis can turn things around? Is there anybody that, that kind of lurks in the back of your mind as a model? Yeah, there, well, there's lots of great uh, examples. You know, if you go look at even like a Seattle, you know, which has been one of these big high-growth markets on the West Coast, uh, you know, uh, people would say in the 70s, it was like, you know, you know, don't forget to turn the lights out when you leave. Or Indianapolis, here closer in the Midwest, about a third smaller than the St. Louis metropolitan region, but obviously had a, you know, a, a much greater resurgence uh, in growth. They started with a big inflection point, a choice to organize differently and to say, we are going to be a growth region and make economic development a top priority for the community. They've all been driven by those inflection points um, and really making those long-term commitments. And so those are some examples. I think Nashville is another one uh, hmm. that, that has made a commitment to being a growth community of the future, Charlotte uh, on the East Coast, and they've organized for success. So if we want to move towards something like that, doing what Seattle did or what Indianapolis did, how long of a plan are we looking at? Does this end up having to be like a 50-year plan, or is this more like a 10-year plan? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. I'd, I'd answer it in, in two ways, though. One is that we have to recognize growing and thriving communities are not automatic, but they're not accidental. And so you do have to have a trusted civic institution that is focused at a strategic level with execution strength to get things done and bring the community together 
that is something that you have to do forever. It's like the art museum or the symphony of economic development growth. And that is, that is often how these other communities think of that institution. And again, we have had that sort of fractured over, over many. And I think it'd be like running an art museum by department uh, hmm. rather than as an art museum. So, you know, I think we need to think about that institution differently. Then when you get to the execution, you know, typically you will see these communities plan uh, for, uh, you know, in decade increments. Um, because economic transformation really doesn't happen in days or months. It really does happen in years and decades. But you got to get up winning every day or you never get to that. Like the 10-year time frame can't be an excuse for not acting on really hard uh, challenges or opportunities. But it is helpful to give ourselves that freedom to think over a decade because that really is how you can uh, drive those major inflection points. Hmm. Looking back at the last decade, I, I first came to St. Louis um, just about nine years ago. It was the first time I'd ever even visited the place. And I got to say, I, I constantly tell people, I can't believe how much um, certain neighborhoods of the city have just come together and they're doing so much better than they seem to be doing at, at the point that I first saw them. And yet overall, I think there's a sense that, that maybe the city has, has continued to be in decline in the past decade. What's your sense of things? Are we already moving in the right direction? Or does this require um, a change of course before we can start that that urgent level of movement you're looking for? Yeah, no, I think so. There's clearly some momentum that is significant, and we've seen the data kind of going into um, to the COVID pandemic. There was genuine momentum. You're seeing a historic level of reinvestment in the urban core, nine billion dollars. That is significant. You're seeing the the hopes and dreams of those that that 20 years ago said, let's be a global leader in biotech and ag tech, you're seeing that come to fruition. Companies like Benson Hill Biosystems, um, the recruitment of Bungie, a Fortune 250 headquarters, leaving New York City to come to St. Louis and be a part of that thriving uh, ag tech scene. So there is clear momentum that we have to lean into. I think the question is, you know, did did we did we lose uh, some of that institutional strength to ensure that we're making decisions now that over the next decade will continue to drive us home and we don't lose that momentum because mm-hmm. we can't. Um, so that's that's kind of how I've seen it. And I, I do think that we you know we had Cortex, uh, the geospatial, and the NGA. Those are examples of momentum. We have had some big wins, but we've got a lot of work to do uh, going forward. And that's what I think Greater St. Louis Inc. helps is really double down on that. Hmm. So it appears likely, and I hate to be too optimistic, they always make me knock on wood around here because I, I get ahead of myself, but it does appear that we're going to get out of this pandemic in 2021. Um, St. Louis is going to be getting a new mayor, uh, for better or worse, in 2021. How critical do you think this coming year is for the following 10 years in, in the plans you're looking at? I think it's significant because at times of disruption, technologically, socially, which is what's happening, right? We're living through, I think, one of the most extraordinary years. I mean, you've got a renewed civil rights movement, the global pandemic. In that is opportunity. And I think communities that are organized to seize on that and shape their future and and, and implement so that we can achieve that are going to get ahead. So I view this as an opportunity for us. Um, so it is a hugely significant year hugely significant. And it is now, now's the time to commit and to come out of the gate strong because uh, of the opportunities that, that have been created by the 
time in which we find ourselves now. And so that's going to be you guys in January, Greater St. Louis, Inc. Uh, you're going to come out on, on January 1st? That's right. We'll be uh, operational. Uh, day one is January 1st, 2021. Of course, got to be honest with you and, and, and your listeners, right? That's the first step in a longer journey. So again, we're going we're gonna to act with intensity every single day. Um, to uh, honor this community, to build the trust of this community. It is going to require, again, we are one actor in an ecosystem that it takes to have a, a thriving and growing community, but we're going we're gonna to be responsible for our part in uh, helping create uh, high-quality jobs and acting with intention and learning to collaborate with new partners so that we can reduce barriers, reduce those unacceptable uh, disparities, um, the black-white income gap, the health outcomes, by, by, by bringing uh, an economic solution to that uh, through job creation. So at the end of the day, a high-quality job is one of the best social programs that we have. Hmm. Well, Jason Hall, I wish you the best of luck, and I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I appreciate you having us on and look forward to continuing this conversation, and uh, all the best to the new year for you as well, Sarah. Thank you. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.